So I, I want to ask you, and I'm asking this in a serious way, of uh, dating in your 90s or 80s. What is that like? It's, it's just somebody to be with, somebody I care about, and we go to a movie, go out to eat. Uh, we play cards together and stuff like that. And it's just companionship strictly. We're too old for anything else. Is there? I was going to ask. Is there? Is there a? I'm sure there's a physical attraction as well. Right? Uh, probably so. Uh, I guess there is. Uh, I hadn't thought about it that way because I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All My Friends, a podcast about love, life, and joint pain. Produced in partnership with Blakeford Senior Life. Me and all my friends. There's no rules to a podcast. We can we're not live on air. We mm. can just we can just talk about anything. Okay. At any time. Uh how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Yep. This old age is catching up with me, unfortunately. How old are you? Uh, I'll be 90 in November. November the 11th. November the 11th, 90 years old. Does that mean anything to you? It does November now. November the 11th? It, yeah. It, it's, it's the old uh, Armistice, Armistice Day, and now it's uh, Veterans Day. Were you, are you a veteran? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You are? Yeah, I was in the Air Force uh, 15 months. 15 months? Mm-hmm. How, how are you feeling about 90? Are you excited? That's a pretty big birthday. Yeah, uh, I must admit, I didn't expect to get this far, but uh, I do have, uh, I guess you would call it good bloodlines. My uh, father, I think, passed away at uh, 87, I think so, if I can remember correctly, and my mother was at 91. So, uh, and my sister passed away, uh, and she was 92. Do you, uh, and by the way, you look great, so. Thank you. You're uh, a physically uh, top shape a lot of know? people don't realize i'm as old as i am which is so uh, nice nice to nice to be in that position by the way i like what you're wearing you've got a nice red collared shirt on red here. is my favorite color is it your favorite color it's my favorite color now do you know most people uh most people that drive red sports cars red sports cars are the uh, ones that get i've pulled had over red the cars you've had red cars i've had red cars uh i'm upset with uh honda these days because they don't paint uh honda odyssey red <laughs> and uh i wouldn't want it uh, they make one that's kind of uh off red uh more of a, a, a different color of red crimson but yeah crimson yeah but uh if i'm gonna have one it better be fire engine red <laughs> <laughs> now why do you uh are you uh do you have a need for speed what's what's going on Oh, no, I don't need any speed thing. I just like the color red, and I like my Honda Odyssey, and uh, I've had one for this is my third one. Hondas are great cars. How yeah. how long have you uh, have you always had Hondas? Uh, no, nope. I was against this back a long time ago was until my son, when he was getting ready to get a car, he wanted to get a foreign car. And being in the service station business, I said, no, you don't need a foreign car. And one day he called me and he said, Dad, I'm looking at a car. Will you go with me and look at it? Mm -hmm. And I said, yep, I'll go. He didn't tell me what kind. 
And uh, as we were getting closer to it, he said, Dad, it's a Honda. I said, really? He said, yep. Yeah, I said, you know how I feel about that, don't you? And he mm-hmm. said, yep. But this one's red. I said, well, okay, we'll look at it. That's all it took. So I opened up the door, car doors. It had black and white seats, and it was really nice. We got in it. About two minutes later, I said, son, buy the car. It's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, ever since then, he's had foreign cars, and I've had foreign cars. You know, it's good to know now, Joe, we just met. Stepping back here for a second, this podcast that I do is, uh, and and you're familiar with podcasts, right? They're oh, just- yes. I've, read, I've heard some of yours, and they're very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Now, interesting can be taken one of two ways. Oh, uh, that's true. Is it good uh, interesting? Were, interesting, good. Okay, good. Uh, okay. Because no, if it was bad. interesting, bad. No, no. no this no, our conversation's over. I enjoyed what, listening to them. I'd like to, I, I'm starting to think I need to start to get the reviews, the, the Blakeford reviews from folks, you know, just the residents, mm-hmm. kitchen staff, st- you know, kind of get an idea of what, you know, what they're thinking so far. Have you heard anything, any word of mouth on, on what people are thinking about the podcast? No, I haven't. Um, Tell me the truth. I haven't. I'm not. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Okay. Um, but you've interviewed some of my friends and Doctor Region. Yeah, obviously. Doctor Region and uh, Vera mm-hmm. and um, uh, Steve McHugh. Steve, yep. And uh, that's a few. Uh, Steve and I. Steve was president, and I was president right after him of the council here here, here at Blakeford. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how, how many years have you been here? Uh, right at eight. Eight years. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you moved from where? Uh, well, I was down in Florida, and then I came up here, and that's when I got sick, and uh, I moved out of Florida and back to Nashville because I otherwise I've been in Nashville except for I was down there permanently, you might say, for about seven years, eight years, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, my wife passed away in '03. And then um, I stayed because I, we couldn't. I couldn't move her back and forth. I stayed in Florida, and she passed away then. And then I had friends down there, so I just stayed there. And uh, about a year later, I got with a lady that I met or knew seventy-two years ago. Wow! At church. Uh, but she was 10, and I was 17, and that wouldn't have worked then. It works now, but not then. It works, yes, yes. And how great that you can reunite with someone yeah. that many decades. It, it was real, it's real fun and interesting because we know so many of the same people. Mm-hmm. Do a little story on that. Um, you mentioned, I know you did an interview with Steve McHugh, and... Uh, my girlfriend Donna, Donna Cummins is her name. She uh, uh, dated Steve. Ah. Uh, I dated Betty. Oh. Which was Betty McHugh, but she was Betty Bouchard at the time. Uh huh. Donna, my friend, introduced Betty to Steve, and they got married. Really? Yeah. And so now I'm. I'm back to dating Donna. <laughs> you know, 
It's it's just the old the old classic, you it's know. It's nice to have a companion. It's nice to have a companion, and it's the old classic game of doubles here. Uh, that's go- I mean, Nashville is so uh, old. Nashville, if you will, is so small and provincial in a way. So it's not super surprising to hear that I knew him and we went to school with him, and it was it was a much smaller town. So I, I want to ask you, and I'm asking this in a serious way of uh, dating in your. 90s or 80s what is that like it's It's just somebody to be with somebody i care about and we go to a movie not many for me but because i'm not real fond of movies but i do go occasionally but uh go out to eat Uh, we play cards together and stuff like that and it's just companionship strictly we're too old for anything else is there? I was going to ask. Is there? Is there a? I'm sure there's a physical attraction as well. Right? Uh, probably so. Uh, I guess there is. Uh, I hadn't thought about it that way because I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, it really is just a uh, companionship. Companionship. Just having somebody with you. And and I must just I must say this when I uh, we were she and I was coming out of Florida. Uh, back to Nashville, and that's when she discovered, and I found out that I was in bad shape. We had stopped at a motel and to uh, uh, on the way back because uh, we always drove it in two days instead of one at our Daytona Beach, and uh, we would stop in Macon, Georgia. And uh, uh, as we, as I came out of the from registering. She said that I didn't look right. And at that point, I must admit, I don't remember anything anymore. Do you want to, we're dancing around this. Do you, do you not, do you want to talk about what this was or do you not want to? No, I don't mind. Uh, when I was in the service, uh, I contracted uh, hepatitis B and um, I never had any problem with it. Uh, the only thing I knew was that, um, about a year after I'd gotten out of the service, I donated blood, and I got a, a thing from the state saying, you have such and such, which I didn't know what that was, and uh, you can't give blood anymore. So I carried it to my doctor, and he told me, you've got hepatitis B, and there's nothing we can really do. Uh, we don't have anything for that at this point. So uh, they say, well, let's just hope nothing happens. Well, I went all these years, and it it reared, it reared its head it's then. Head, yeah. But uh, as far as I know right now, it's in remission. I don't have any problem with it. So I'm, uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but how does one get hepatitis B? What, are, what is like the uh, shots? Uh, that's the way I got them. Uh, but I remember... When uh, I was going down through the line when I was in the service and getting shots, uh, they were using the same needles, basically, and uh, that's where I feel like I must have gotten it because that's when I came out of service and gave the blood, that's when I had it. Yeah. Now, there's other ways, too, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I wasn't involved with that. Yeah. So you're coming back from uh, this you're making your way back up in a camper, uh, I believe. Is that right? From Florida to Nashville? I was in Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. You stopped in Macon, Georgia. And 
she realized I was sick, and she got me back into the lobby of the motel, and I sat there for about 40. And these are things she told me, so I don't really know at all. I do remember one thing, her getting me up and getting me to the room. And I got in the bed, shoes, coat, shoes, clothes and all. And four hours later, I woke up. And I don't remember any of it. I remember getting in the bed. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hardly remember anything else. We got up the next morning and grabbed a bite to eat. And she drove like crazy yeah. getting to Nashville. I called my son, and he met us at the hospital, and I was entered into the hospital. And uh, that's when they told me uh, what I had. Yeah. So it was a pretty jarring life-altering. Yeah, it was. Um, And because uh, hepatitis B damages your uh, liver, and uh, but they feel like that I was fortunate enough I caught it in time. It's like cirrhosis of the liver but it wasn't from drinking because i don't drink that much <laughs> i'll be honest i thought you were gonna no i thought you were gonna say no you were drinking no. uh i do i do like a glass of wine or a little drink of jack daniels every once in a while every now and then yeah beside that uh, i don't okay so joe uh let's take an even further step back i'll give you the floor here you've had a wild life in your uh, i sure have and uh, I want to hear about it. Let's go. Okay. I uh, was born on Pembroke Avenue. Well, I was born in Baptist Hospital, but uh, my parents lived on Pembroke Avenue in a home that's uh, uh, still there today. It's a rock home. And that's where we as young kids used to spend our nights playing badminton. But I had a good stay there, and I went to... uh, a Palmer School, which is now a park. And uh, well, I was in school almost constantly because I did not study hard enough. I didn't read. I didn't like to read. Uh, I had a big geography book, but a comic book fit right in the middle of it real good. <laughs> and I would sit up in my bed in my room, and I could hear either mom or daddy coming up and I'd close up the book real quick. Yep. But otherwise, I was reading the comic book, and I wasn't studying geography. And in fact, uh, I was in, after I got into high school, I was in summer school every summer. Really? Yeah. And uh, trying to pass and get out of summer school. And, now, now you weren't necessarily a bad kid, though. You just weren't a great student? Or? I just didn't, I, didn't, I just didn't study. Uh, I'd go to class, but I didn't study. Yeah. I didn't read. I don't like to read. And, uh, so, uh, I didn't worry about it. So what's, what's it like in your, in your twenties, your thirties, your forties? Take me that part to, to that part of your life. Well, I was, uh, at that point I was trying to look for the future to see what I was going to do. Cause I didn't have a clue. Uh, I went to uh, Vanderbilt thinking I was going to be an engineer. Now, I had the misconception of an engineer. I was taking mechanical engineering. And uh, I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to get to play with engines and stuff like that. And I knew all of that. Yeah. That wasn't what they taught me. Yeah. What did they teach you? And, well, they would teach me all these algebra. I had algebra and uh, English and history and all this stuff. And 
I could care less about it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, my dad being in the insurance business, he said, what about you going to an insurance school? And I said, well, I'd be all right. So I went to insurance school in New York. Lived wow. in lived in Brooklyn, rode the subway over to New York and in the business district and uh, made straight A's. Culture shock? Huh? Culture shock being in New York? No, no. No? No. I had a good time there. What'd you do? Oh, uh, well, fun. I studied. On the weekend, we would play poker. Yeah. Because uh, we only got paid $50. Uh, every Friday, we'd get paid, so we always had to stop at one of the bars and pick up a, a beer and some of their hors d'oeuvres that they put out free Ooh. to get you to come in. Nice. So we did that, and uh, then we'd go play poker, and you could tell who won as to where they went to eat that night. And uh, I was fortunate. I got good food. How old were you at this time? Uh, let's see. I was probably 22. 22. 23. So you're a, a young single guy in the big city, and and I'm just curious what that was like. Did you go on dates with girls at that time? Did no. You, no. No. Was, we were tied up. Just with insurance. Studying uh, insurance. Uh, playing poker. I had a car when I was 16. Yep. And uh, I dated then. And uh, I dated my wife probably a good five years before we got married. Sort uh, of. So high school, or, or no, she was not a high school sweetheart. No, no. No, she was from Humboldt. Humboldt, Tennessee? She, yeah. Uh-huh. But she lived, uh, I met her while I was in Vanderbilt. Uh, she lived in a girl's home, you might say. She had come up here to work for, uh, to go to uh, Drones Business College, which was a, one to teach them how to be typist and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met her that way at, uh, at a restaurant down from, from my fraternity house there. And we started going together, and later on, we, I felt that I'd started making enough money on my insurance and enough to ask and, her to, and to, we got married. Nice. I was I think 27 or 28. 20, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's surprising. The more, the more I talk to people here, you think everyone's just going to say that they got married when they were 21 after, you know, six hours of dating. But, uh, but it actually is uh, more and more people I've heard said, no, no, I got married in my late twenties or mm-hmm. early thirties. We, we dated for a while. Yeah, I was, you know? that we dated uh, at least five years. Might have been six. Were you a good boyfriend? Thoughtful? Caring? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were married uh, 45 years, like in 15 days, when she passed away from Alzheimer's. Do you remember how you asked her to uh, to marry you? Yeah, uh, she, she had been dating me and also another guy, and it looked like that he might, I wasn't really ready to get married, but... Uh, I just want to clarify something. She was dating two people? Yeah, me and, this, and another guy. Were you aware of that? Yeah. You were? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting and, indeed. Yeah. How did you... Well, I don't know. I think her thoughts were that maybe I wasn't going to get married. Um, But, yeah, we... we we got along real good. 
I just really wasn't quite ready to get married. Yes. But uh, but still, to then also date someone at yeah. the same time. Yeah. You seem you seem okay. You seem pretty. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But you're okay uh, I mean, it. I'm sure he had the same feeling too. Yeah. You know. Did you ever meet him? Oh yeah, I knew him. Yeah, uh, I knew him. And um, he used to live down the street from me when I lived on Woodmont. Because we left, we we moved from there to, out to uh, Hillwood. But um, that's another story. But at any rate, um, now I, I I finally decided, okay, I'm making enough enough money now that I can get married. Plus, it looked like that she was getting pretty close to wanting to marry him. But she she and I got along better than they did. Yeah, and so. Um, she went down to her home one time, and uh, I spent three days trying to find her and where she lived and Humboldt and so forth. And I even called the sheriff and said, can you tell me? And So you had never been to her no, childhood never home been before? No, I never to their home, no. Okay. So I ended up going down and, and uh, uh, seeing about it, and we decided we'd get married. I don't know how I did it, but we did. And the sheriff did or did not tell you no, where her no, address he was? No, they wouldn't tell me anything. I called sheriff and everybody I could find out. Her father had a business. I thought I thought Humboldt was a little old bitty town, but it wasn't. It was a pretty good sized town. Where is Humboldt? Uh, West Tennessee. Wow. So this is. Uh, so you were feeling the pressure. To... I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to lose her. Uh huh. And she and I were too good together. So I got married with her. So would you know, forgive me for being so interested in this, just That's part right. of it, because I don't think I know. My book, my life's an open book. <laughs> well, I don't think I've, uh, I don't think I've known people who, who um, have openly been like, well, look, I'm dating these two guys uh, at the same time and, and may the best, you know, mm-hmm. may the best man win. But um, you were, you were okay. Like, with being like, hey, can I? And your wife's name was Donna. You mm-hmm. said? Your your wife's name? Betty. Betty. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Donna was my girl. Is my girlfriend now? Yes, is your girlfriend now? You you know you would say Betty. I got Friday night, and you know Gary's got Saturday night. Is that how it would yeah, work? Sometimes, yeah. Wow. You gotta you gotta yeah. Tell me more about what this was. What was going through your head? Were you dating other? Uh, girls at the time was this a mormon community what was sometimes going on here? um for fraternity dance they required us to have a date with a, uh, a vanderbilt girl and i would do that okay and uh that type of thing okay but otherwise she was about it so you must have really liked her if you were like look yeah I'm we got to- along real well and uh uh, a lot of times I would be working or something, and I wouldn't—I wasn't available until later. And somehow or another, she would get back home nine o'clock, nine fifteen. We were out together. For seniors in Greater Nashville, Tennessee, Blakeford Senior Life is not just a provider of residential living and services. We are a partner. We work with seniors to create the living experience that works best for them and their loved ones. 
Whether that's in a beautifully designed residential setting on our Green Hills campus or in a longtime family home, the goal is not to change life, but to enhance and enrich it as you age. So you're a, uh, you're a man about the road and a man on the, uh, on the ocean. You have houseboats, you've, you've camped in, in camper vans forever. Yeah, well, I started out with my family camping out on the creek bank, and uh, it got in my blood, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, we had boats. Uh, Dad and I built a, a runabout, a, a little outboard cruiser, as we called it. I think it was 18 foot. Yep. Had two beds in it, and it was a nice little boat. Ran, had outboard engine on it. But it was awfully small. You couldn't have very many people on it. So we ended up with a houseboat that I designed that wouldn't go very fast, but that carried a lot of people. So then we bought a fast houseboat. Uh, which was very fast, and that's the one we would used to take to Kentucky Lake. Now, how when you say fast houseboat, how fast are we talking? How fast can fast houseboats get? It would run thirty-five get? miles an hour on top of the water. That's you a, could ski behind the houseboat. That's a. It had twin engines in it. That is a, a, a fast. That's a lot of knots it, for it, it for was, a, a home. Fast. It was fast, and then we did a lot of fishing from our, through our church, and uh, I just I enjoyed fishing. Uh, You're a big fisherman. I wish I could do it now. I can't do it now. Uh, can't get it. Can't get it in and out of a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if I got down in there, I'd never get out. <laughs> I went fishing on the a uh, couple weeks ago on the Elk River mm-hmm. with a couple of my friends. My friend has a drift boat and uh, didn't catch a lick. But you oh know, my goodness. But, uh, look how much fun you had, though. But we we made memories together. You don't have to. The, you don't have to catch everything. You know why I like fishing is because it is the uh, it is Very, the epitome of hope. It's peaceful. Well, it's peaceful, absolutely. And looking at that water, it'll mesmerize you. Yeah, it it's uh, you know, there's like a thing where <clears throat> I, I don't know what it is, but it's um when you like look if if you look out like into the into like a vista. On mm-hmm. top of like a hill or something, or you look down. There's something that it does to your brain mm-hmm. that it like it it soothes all your, your worries. Fly away. But there's like a, an actual like biological thing mm-hmm. happening to your brain where uh, it just goes on like a- autopilot or something, and it like increases dopamine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but I love fishing because it is just the second you cast that line into the water and you start reeling, you are just full of hope. Mm-hmm. It is just the epitome of hope. Oh, I enjoyed it. I wish I could go now. I, I, oh, I, on my phone, there's some fishermen fishing for crappie and so forth, and I, I love to watch that. And there's some of them even have a, one group has a, some pictures that show them fishing at Real Foot Lake where I first got my start. Well, how how can I help? I mean, part of this, this, I can't get in and out of a boat. I wish I could. <laughs> can I, can I bring you, I mean, I, I would like to be the Oprah of Blakeford and, <laughs> and just, you know, be able to provide presents for people. Do you want me to, uh, do you want me to get you a bucket of fish and we can just do it out on the deck there? <laughs> do you want me to go to Kroger? We That's can get too a much work. <laughs> I surely I can help. I, we can, we can dial up some YouTube videos on your TV of, yeah, of fishing. Good. Yeah. But uh, no, fishing fishing was fun, and like I said, it was uh, it ways to clear your mind. Sure. But uh, you know, we haven't gotten into my business part of my life, and that was interesting. Now, Bandy, 
to that point, Bandy is a familiar name here right. in Nashville. Uh, two or three ways. Well, one, my father had the insurance agency, Bandy, uh, Stokes Bandy Company. It was Walter Stokes. Uh, his his father, Mr. Stokes' father, uh, Stokes School was named after, which is over on Belmont, across from Lipscomb. Well, you got Stokes Lane yeah, as well. Stokes and, Lane and, and all of it. And Bandywood. And Bandywood was named after my father. Wow. That was, uh, it was a fellow that worked in my dad's office named uh, Woodcock, C.C. Uh, Woodcock, Clarence Woodcock. And he worked for the insurance company that my dad represented. And Mr. Woodcock traveled all the time, except he needed a secretary occasionally. So he asked, he and my dad were good friends. So he asked my dad if he could have an office in there and so forth. So they did. And one day he came in and said, Joe, I've got a problem. And dad said, well, what's that? What can I help you with? And he said, well, I'm trying to develop that property that I own. And the city's already turned down three names for the name of the street. And I've got to get a name of the street. My dad thought a minute, so he tells me. And uh, said, name it after us, Bandywood. <laughs> and that's how it came about. Wow. How about that? But uh, I worked up there uh, selling insurance for myself, not for them. I was just an agent that I ran my business through them. And at one point, my father said, son, you are, he had, uh, Jerry Atkinson was a partner at one time. Uh, Bud Curtis was a partner at one time. But I was the only son of any of them. And my dad says, Joe, it's time for you to go out on your own because you'll never be a partner here. So I did. I went out on my own. I came to Green Hills here and uh, found an agent uh, that was selling uh, homes. And I talked to him, and uh, I started selling homes for him, and he started selling insurance for me. And going back a little bit, and first of all, when I was in the uh, insurance business, I was very much involved. My dad told me to always get involved. I was involved with the insurers of Nashville, uh, which is the Insurance Association for Agents. Uh, Also, I used to go to the national conventions. And then uh, I got involved with the uh, Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers of Nashville. And uh, that was being done by the police department here. Are you familiar with Crime Stoppers? Well, no, I'm not. Well, Crime Stoppers is, uh, I was asked to be on on the board. In the first meeting, they said, we're out of money. We got to do something. What it is is, People can call Crime Stoppers, remain anonymous, and I'll guarantee you they do remain anonymous. They'll give them a number, and if the tips prove out to be solving the case, they can get a reward. Yeah. And I've done, I've paid out plenty of the rewards, and that's interesting too, because you got to have somebody with you to verify also safety. Yeah. And he always did it like on a street corner or something like that. But, uh, that was interesting. <laughs> Is that too. a national thing, Crime Stoppers? Oh, Is that... yeah, it's world. Yeah. Well, Canada's got it. How did you, but, How did you? I mean, I know based on what you just said, how you got involved, but like how did that peak your, you know, Well, how did that become something of an I, interest? Uh, uh, I had been very uh, active on uh, complaining about 
what the oil companies was doing to the service station dealers. I'd been on television quite a bit, and uh, because they, uh, I owned my property and they couldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And if one of the other people that was leasing their property, oil company would say, "Remember, your lease is coming up. You don't want to say anything bad about us." But I didn't care because I was owned my property. So you were you were on TV a lot. You were uh, uh-huh, quite a bit during the. Uh, when the gas was so scarce. Which would have been what? Is that um, the seventies? Seventies, yeah. Yeah. But uh what is uh, your reputation around Nashville? I'm curious in your assessment. Me? Yeah. What was my recommendation? your reputation? yeah, I'm curious. I don't know. I'd like to know. <laughs> All right, just I call hope people in. like me. I have a lot of friends. Well, I'm just um, I'm I'm just curious because you uh I've I've done a lot. Yeah. You've you've taken this stand, you know, a, a well-known name. Bandy's a well-known name, and you're you're. We were the only, my father was the original Bandy in Nashville. There are some others now. Huh. In fact, there was one Bandy in the insurance business, Bandy and Van Cleve. I don't know whether they're still operating or not, but, but uh, there was no relation. Wow. So, any interesting stories from the crime stop Crime Stoppers? Oh yes. Any odd corners you went on to pay do a payout no you just you know i, I went on fourth and broad sometimes and fourth and church and uh you have you'd have a thousand dollars in your pocket in cash mm-hmm. and you would have it in an envelope and say uh you would uh, tell the person uh the police would tell the person the man that's going to meet you We'll have on a red shirt yeah. and a blue sweater, and he'll meet you on the corner. And so you stand there, and pretty soon you'll see some man walk up and say, Are you with Crime Stoppers? Yeah. Well, my number is such and such. And that's what you went by. You don't know his name. Yeah. And uh, you would say, okay, sign this release. Count the money, and they would count it best they could in the, all the crowd. And you'd give them the money, and they went their way, and we went ours. Were you ever tempted to just be like, hey, what else do you know? Come on. Uh, no, no, uh, no, I, that, nothing we had to do. Our job was to decide, first of all, to raise money. Yeah. The, what, what would like some of the tips be? I don't really know, because we didn't receive them. Yeah. The police officers got that. Now, here's the other thing I don't understand about this. So they kind of put you, you you don't, you know, you're the middleman here, but they're the one putting you in the dangerous situation. That's why we did it in public. Couldn't couldn't they have gotten like a Sometimes we did it in the bank, in a bank building. Yeah. We can go inside the bank and do it. Did you ever feel in danger at any point? Not really. No. No. Um, I mean, you had some, you had one of your cronies with you. And so the two of you were together. And back in those days, you didn't really worry about it. Blakeford Senior Life. Visit us at blakeford.com to learn more about our innovative senior living solutions in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up next. I uh, felt like, and I still feel this way, that I probably added 10 years to my life by moving here.
Joe, you said you've had an exciting life. What else have I, what have you not revealed to me? What have I not heard about well, yet? Well, uh, we didn't get into another one of the, several other businesses that I've been involved in. Uh, one, uh, when I was about 16, I started, uh, I worked at a Christmas tree lot at the corner of uh, Woodmont and Hillsborough Road, where Belmont, where the uh, uh, Baptist Church is today. It was a vacant lot at that point. And I started hanging out there, and about two years later, uh, the guy that owned the lot said, I'm through. I'm not going to do it anymore. I said, I will. So I ran. I started selling Christmas trees and having my own lot. Wow. Now, I didn't work for him. I just hung out there. And I observed and watched how he did it and met the tree cutters. Now, this was back in the days of when you didn't have the kind of trees we have today. Yeah. This was when you got a cedar trees or pine trees. Yeah. And uh, I remember one year I got a load of Christmas trees on Christmas Eve. And I had a line of people waiting for the trees to come off the truck. On Christmas Eve? On Christmas Eve. Now, that's not good planning ahead. How did that's that happen? That's different now. Because, first of all, cedar trees don't last long. They dry out awfully quick. Uh-huh. So we back in those days, the only trees you had was either a cedar tree, uh, a pine tree, or, or an aluminum tree. Yeah. Of course, I- if you had one of those aluminum trees from back then, today, that would be classified as an antique, and they're popular. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to go find out where you can get one My son's got one. I don't know where he got it or when, but he's got one. But they're, they're coming back now. There's a aluminum, aluminum Christmas tree. What does one need to uh, uh, look for in um, a good Christmas tree? Is it just the number of branches? Is it? You look for a good, well-rounded tree. Oh, that's it? And big, yeah. And tricks to a, the trade? A, a, some people like a... Skinny tree, some people like a thick tree. I had a lot of customers that uh, would buy a 15, 18-foot, or 20-foot Christmas tree. They never saw it until I put it up in their house back in those days. And I'd get $25 for it. I paid $3 to the cutter for the tree and sell it for 25 put a stand on it, and deliver it to their house, inside their house. Is the Christmas tree tradition economical? I, I'm surprised sometimes that we still do that. I understand we go there to them on a farm. Now, there is good money in Christmas trees if you have the right location and the right kind of trees. Of course, nowadays you've got trees coming from Michigan and North Carolina and Canada and so forth. I remember trees near the end when I quit selling that every once in a while in the tree you would find a little note. A note. And attached to the note would be a picture of some children's clothes. And it'd be written in French. Came out of Canada. The tree came out of Canada. Quebec. And, yeah, somewhere up through there. And uh, uh, they were asking you to send money for their children to buy clothes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, you'd find little notes tied inside the tree. I always had to get somebody that knew French to <laughs> tell me what it said. Yeah. But I, as you can see, I've had a varied life, done a little bit of everything. I've sold swimming pools. I've sold campers. And, uh, of course, I camped from 1972 uh, 
at the beginning of when Disney started and they're getting doing their 50, 50th year right now, starting it. Now we're talking, you, you said campers, we're talking like Winnebago's? Uh, well, I started out with a truck camper. We had a friend that had a um, camper on the back of his truck. It was he and his wife and six children did not have a bathroom, had a little bit of kitchen in it, and that's what they camped in. Let me ask you, Joe, well, you have this fascination with mobile residences, be they campers or houseboats. Why do you think that is? I think it stems from the fact that we used to go to the creek bank started camping out and it was so relaxing and so much fun and you bring you brought up that way you enjoy the outside and that's the way to get outside yeah and this this was more than just pitching a tent or getting out Correct. it was it was the ability to do it you had overnight a little bit better facilities yeah i mean back then you went behind a tree yeah or you slept on a cot hey i still or, go behind a tree uh, you know what I mean? we didn't even have tents we just slept under the trees yeah as the story goes, my mother, the first time uh, they carried me, I woke up the next morning with uh, dew in my eyes, and she thought something was wrong with me. <laughs> That's what they tell me. <laughs> so my camping stuff goes way back. It goes it, it, outside, being yes. outside. Being outside and then just adding a small element of uh, luxury, luxury, if you will. Right. Yeah. I, I took a road trip. Um couple of years ago, and I maintain in my 32 years of life that that was the most fun thing I've ever done, this cross-country road trip from California to, to Massachusetts. So I wasn't in a camper van, wasn't, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. doing that, but I, I certainly get the, the appeal. But I think for me, it was more, less camping, more seeing the country, traveling on like byways, mm -hmm. going through different, you know, parks. And, there's and, nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And I, and you probably went to some parks, pitched a tent, and uh, got cooked, out of the cooked, tent, cooked in the in the on uh, the stove. Well, so you know what I did recently is uh, this is true. I went to um, the Crater of Diamonds State Park mm -hmm. in in Southwest Arkansas. Did you find a diamond? I uh, did not find a diamond. Um, but you dug. But I dug, and once again, like fishing, I experienced the uh, the miracle of hope. Mm -hmm. And when you're sifting through rocks and you think there might be a diamond in there, uh, I saw where somebody got one the other day. A oh, they, they average, I should probably know cause I was supposed to write an article on it. Still have to do that. Um, but they average, you know, several hundred mm -hmm. a, a year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think so. And the one, they found a big one, but, uh, it, it really drove home for me. I, I spent the night, I camped by myself. I took the solitary trip. It was very nice. And, there were just all these, it was like in the middle of the week, you know, in a not great weather and just all these campers there. And I was like, oh, wait, this is what people do in their retirement. Like they get these camper vans and they go to uh, parks across the country. It just didn't, it didn't resonate with me up until that point. Disney World opened in 1971, early part of 1970, and they opened October of 71. And um, I and my wife, and my son camped uh, at Disney World in 1972. We had a motor home and stayed there. And we ended up about 15 times in Disney World camping. So you're one of those, you're one of those Disney fanatics. 
Oh, I love Disney, but they've uh, they they're pricing pricing themselves out now. But not, obviously, it's not too high because they're still making money. Still moving. You know, there are two types of people in the world, Joe: people who love seltzer water, and people who are obsessed with Disney World. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, a lady here that's loves she seltzer goes water there all uh, the time. Does, how many? So you've been about fifteen times, you think? I've been about fifteen times. You're gonna get back, you think? I'm too old now. Just let me do something for you. Come on, can I get you a, like a bucket of fish, or <laughs> no, uh, just no. I'll take you to Disney? Come on. Well, uh, I'm getting too old for all that. That's the reason I moved in here because uh, at Lakeford, because that way uh, I don't have any worries. If I need a light bug fixed, all I do is pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. If I have something else goes wrong, sopped up sink, I call them. How's it different than living in just a, an apartment complex where you can call a utility first? And I guess there are health aspects. Well, here you're with people of your own age or near your own age. And everybody comes here to, uh, might say, finish out their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I'd been here a very short time, I uh, felt like, and I still feel this way, that I probably added 10 years to my life by moving here. Really? Yes. Wow. And uh, there are things that that you don't really like, but 9 out of 10, you couldn't beat it. It's uh, easy living. I can get involved with something if I want to or don't have to if I don't want to. And I like that kind of style. Uh, they have so much stuff going on for you to be a part of. Card playing, bingo, different entertainments come in, stuff like that. And I understand you run the bingo games. Is that I did? I did get involved with the uh, bingo uh, until the virus came in. We had to stop. I still play bingo. We have a that. Uh, Back in those days, we played at night, and actually, we played for money. Yeah. You paid $5, and all the money went into a pot and was divided into seven games. And uh, you just hope you won a little money, and occasionally we did. Bingo, another so, another game of just uh, pure, unadulterated hope. Right. Right? Yeah. There's right. no skill. I mean, it's just... And I played Roma Cube here. Oh, I love Roma Cube. I played with a lady that was 104 at the time. Uh, she got to be 106 and passed away, unfortunately. But uh, uh, there is a lady here now that uh, she's 102, I believe I'm right, and she used to be the money person that we would pay to play bingo. Yeah. And uh, she was a nice lady. And uh, She was the bookie. But we're thinking about maybe starting it back again when the virus st- stuff gets over with. Oh, I'm in. But I'm we, in. Play, we play uh, – Regular bingo uh, every Thursday at one thirty, and uh, have about twelve, fifteen people. That's fun. Do you um, do you do any joke? Like, are you a bit of an MC when you uh, do this? Do you do you do any jokes or is it occasionally I do? I, I guess they'll call uh, B twelve. That's You're, a good vitamin. Yep. <laughs> Not <laughs> Stuff bad. Like that. Not bad. Yeah, I do that. Uh, well, geez, what or, else? Or uh, there'll be another one, uh, B4. Before what? <laughs> <laughs> you 
Now, surely you've done these jokes several times. So, oh, yeah. Did they, I'm sure people are tired of me. Did they? <laughs> well, it's always nice to hear. I've come here, and we'll, we'll wrap up here, Joe. But I, um, it's nice to come here and hear that it's not like this, that, that it's a very active community. Blakefoot is a good place. Like I said earlier, I think it's added 10 years to my life. No worries, no problems. People are nice. They do a good job of uh, keeping us entertained. Uh-huh. And uh, not everything is perfect, sure, but it's as near perfect as you can get. Well, Joe, this has been uh, this has been fun. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very, very much. And uh, like I told you, begin with, I've had a, a a wonderful life. I've done about as much as anybody could ever do, and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I just hope I get to continue in good health a little bit longer. All right, Joe Bandy Jr. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Ben, thank you. Enjoyed it very much. Appreciate it. Me and All My Friends, hosted and produced by Ben Odo. For more interviews, visit meandallmyfriendspod.com and make sure to follow us at Me and All My Friends on Instagram. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Julie Dowd, Brian Barnes, John McHugh, and Warner Tidwell. I'm Mariah Paris, and nobody ever thanks me. Yeah.